Hello and welcome to Geopod, a podcast where we look at all things spatial. It may not be rocket science, but it's geoscience. Hello and welcome back to season one of Geopod, where we will be looking at how individuals got from university to the working world. This week we'll be talking to Yashina, who works at the GCRO, and she'll tell us all about what they do and how they visualize all the data that they collect. Enjoy. Hello. Just to start us off, can you please tell us about why you decided to study geoinformatics and what was it that got you into the field? I first heard about GIS in high school. Uh, I remember we did like one class on GIS and uh, at the time I was in matric and my main study parts was going to be engineering and I really didn't want to do that. So uh, one of my teachers suggested I look into this and then I had uh, an appointment at UKZN, one of the lecturers. He actually put me on the path of looking into a degree in geoinformatics at UP. And he, I remember he's like, UKZN doesn't have a program for me. And the closest thing I could do was environmental science. He said that there was this program at UP and that I should look into it. And that's actually how I kind of found out about it. Yeah, no, that's that's cool. The trend that we've been seeing is that a lot of people heard from it from their teachers and people in school. So it's very nice to know that there's a good support system in high school. Where do you currently work and what do you do on a daily basis? Uh, so I'm currently working at the Gauteng City Region Observatory, which is a research organization that was put together by uh, Gauteng Province uh, Salga University of uh, Johannesburg and Wurz. So they do research based on, on urban systems and policy and actually anything pertaining to the Gauteng city region. So I'm an intern there and most of my work is uh, GIS related. So it involves a lot of data prepping, data cleaning, sourcing, analysis, mapping, write-ups. I think anything that you would do in university, but at a more professional level, yeah. The GCRO conducts a quality of life survey, which measures people's quality of life based on their socio-economic circumstances, as well as their experiences with service delivery. Could you please tell us a bit about the process that's followed when it comes to these surveys, as well as how this data is then visualized? Okay, uh, so the quality of life survey, uh, it's, a, it's a survey that's run by the GCRO that covers quite a range of topics to, to essentially try and quantify and define the level of quality, I guess, that people in Gauteng experience and how that changes across Gauteng. So the survey is, is essentially done to represent the data at a wide level. So, and it covers quite a range of topics, uh, not just, uh, so your services, your demographics, attitudes, uh, your response to community participation, government interventions. So it's quite an overarching survey and it's, it's quite hard to describe it succinctly, but essentially it's to try and, and find a way to determine what defines quality of life and what type of quality of life do people have within Kauteng. 
So the quality of life survey is quite a big undertaking and uh, I was fortunate enough to be a part of some of the processes for the next iteration of the quality of life, which was supposed to be in field actually starting right about now, but unfortunately we can't do that. It's quite a comprehensive survey that takes into account quite a lot. And one of the things we struggled with for this iteration is to try and narrow the survey questionnaire and the content to make it more streamlined. And not only because of budget, well, one of the main reasons was because of budget constraints. And it was actually quite a difficult task because it has so many important components because it doesn't just look at demographics and physical aspects, but it also looks at ad attitudinal concepts and how people perceive themselves and their surroundings. So putting together that survey, it takes the entire organization to do. And we even have to bring in external people just to audit the survey and to make sure our thinking is sound around it. And it's quite an intensive process. And I don't think there's, there's a right or a wrong way to do it at this point. It's because it's worked so far, they, they have done five iterations of it. And yeah, it's, it's quite involved. And when you are conducting these surveys, do you make sure that there's a minimum sample size? Yes, yes. So, so we don't physically do the surveys. We hire a, a company that runs the surveys for us. And we, we essentially do all of the, the quality control, the checks. We essentially create everything that's needed for the survey and we give it to the company to run the survey. So that's how, how it works. Do you have a minimum sample size when you are giving out the surveys? So uh, it's one of the, the issues that we were trying to tackle for call six because last year's survey had a lot of respondents and uh, because of budget constraints it had to be narrowed down but there is a sample size. I'm not entirely sure what it is at this at this moment in time, but the, the team has has put a lot of thought into it. We've had workshops with a lot of people just trying to decide on, on the type of sampling we're going to do as well as the number. And I think we've decided on a hybrid approach to it and not the same as what we used in the previous survey, yeah. Thank you very much. The GCRO also selects a map of the month every month. So what are the key elements that you think should be in a good map? Uh, so the Map of the Month series is, is really interesting. I enjoy it quite a bit. So they essentially, so essentially one person or a team is, is responsible for each month. And it gives us a lot of freedom to do uh, whatever we want, essentially. And it allows us to play with new data sets and to try and flesh out maybe ideas that we have that we haven't fully thought through and to present it in a, in a visual way. So some of the things that I personally uh, look for when I'm doing a map of the month is that the map needs to be able to grab the reader's attention, but it also, I prefer a cleaner looking map, if I could say that, so that it doesn't have a lot of elements and it should be informative and easily understood because we want people to actually look at it, understand it, and, and absorb the information that it has. And another component that I, I've personally liked is that it gives us the opportunity to play with different mediums, try out different formats, not just 
your standard 2D flat map and see if those work as well. Yoshini, you said you work at the GCRO. How did you come about to currently finding your job? I saw an email through, it was, I think, in one of the tax um, mailing lists. Uh, yeah, an email came through with a job advert. Okay, so we mustn't delete all the emails we get sent. Oh, at least, at least scan through like the subject heading at the very least <laughs> before deleting it. Fair enough, fair enough. So how was the overall process, let's say, from when you opened that email to your first day of work? Actually, I was currently working at a, at a different organization when I applied for this post. So putting together the CV was, I think, my most, one of the most stressful parts because I, I don't enjoy writing cover letters. <laughs> and, uh, and that's one of the main things that they asked for was that they wanted a detailed cover letter CV as well as examples of work. So putting that together was quite, I wouldn't say a mission, but <laughs> it does take a lot of effort and time to do. And I would say the most stressful part was the interview because it was with the research director and the entire GIS team at the GCRO. But I managed to get through, so it wasn't wow. all bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeshina, yeah, do they still do the technical test at the GCRO? Yes, they still do that. And I freaked out during that test because I started <laughs> overthinking the questions. I thought. Can you yeah. maybe tell us a bit about what to expect from a technical test? what At the GCRO, the, the, the test that I did was, so they gave me a data set. I think it had a couple of errors in it that I needed to correct. And then they left the second part quite open-ended in that I, a map needed to be created, but you also needed to add a narrative to it to understand what the data was showing. So that was that test. I think they gave us like 45 minutes to do all of that. Yeah, at the time it, it was it was terrifying, but when I look at it afterwards, I'm like, oh, why was I freaking out about this? But like I have done other tests for other interviews. The psychometric tests I find are, are the worst, in my opinion, because like you, you can't tell the heads from tails with some of those questions. <laughs> and you have to do I remember one one session that I did, it consisted of four different types of tests within that session and each one was even more mind-boggling than the other so yeah oh okay what would you say to our listeners are the do's and the do nots of job hunting and writing a cv okay uh for job searching i would say have some sort of an idea of what you're looking for so it doesn't necessarily have to be a job per se but maybe a couple of pointers of what that job should entail. And I would say don't just rush blindly into things, especially when you receive that first yes and you're like, yes, I need this job. Always take a moment or two just to absorb it, understand what you're taking on and make sure that it, it fits right with you. So for me personally, I could tell a lot about a company from the people that interviewed me. It spoke a lot to the company culture and the dynamics there. But I, in my experience, I haven't been for all that many <laughs> interviews. So, so there is that. 
if I could say a major don't would be don't get despondent when you don't get the responses that you want or you don't get any responses at all. I think one of the things that I find most disheartening is that when you put all of this effort into putting together your CV and application and you don't hear anything back from a company. And also another another big don't for me in general, I, I would say, is not to measure your success based on on someone else's path or journey. You shouldn't be defining what your successes and triumphs are and your timeline based on someone else's. I think those are the two major don'ts for me. And in terms of a CV, this is my pet peeve. I really do not like doing my CV, but it's always good to keep it up to date and to not make it overly long make sure that it's it's quite concise and all of the information is there in a readable manner and that it looks professional. I think that's one of the biggest things. Uh, so I had the opportunity of being a part of the process of hiring an intern at the GCRO and I was one of the people that had to go and look through people's CVs to make a call for the shortlisting. And that's one of the things we looked at is the CV should look polished and professional and it should have all the information that that speaks to your skill. And you should, if you are attaching a CV letter, you should use that to your advantage to, to try and, and just not only showcase your skills in terms of your GIS and whatever field that you're in, but also your soft skills, so your communication, teamwork, project management, all of those things also count, not just what you can do, but also how you interact with your your peers, your colleagues, that all makes a difference. Yeah. Okay, wow. And lastly, do you use any networking tools such as LinkedIn, uh, Indeed, or anything like that? I do use LinkedIn. I am... I, yeah, I am registered with Indeed and a couple of other online job hosting sites. I haven't really gotten much success from using those online sites, I won't lie. But I am registered with them, yeah. And I do think okay, LinkedIn yeah. no. work. I have, I have made a couple of connections and and uh, a couple of I met a couple of collaborators through that. So I guess... It does, it does help. There's no harm in doing it. No, agreed. Thank you. So I first want to go bit back to your job. So can you maybe tell us what a typical day looks like at the GCRO? I would say a typical day for me. I spend most of my time in front of a computer screen looking at shapefiles and involved in data prepping or visualization. Uh, and if I'm not working with data and doing some kind of mapping, I'll be reading academic articles or help or assisting with write-ups. And if I'm not in that time, then whatever time I do have left is usually spent in that back and forth of working with my colleagues and collaborating in order to get uh, outputs ready and polished and finished to be uploaded. Uh, I, I actually didn't realize how much of time it takes 
just to get work done when working in a team to make sure all your team members know what you're doing and to get sign off that that's taken quite a bit of getting used to from having everything being your sole responsibility to having a team that needs to sign off on work or give their opinion yeah okay that's interesting that you mentioned that teamwork thing because as you know, we try to synthetically provide you with that environment in, for example, GMT and things like that. But in what tools or what methods do you guys use to actually work together for this collaboration to work? Most of it is via email and through meetings. I won't lie. There's not much tools, especially when you are the only GIS person in a team, for instance. So you're essentially going to be in charge of all of the data collection and creating those maps and keeping all of your versionings, right? And essentially, you would be presenting that work or whatever results you get to your team, and then your team will give you feedback. And uh, so one thing that we use a lot at the GCRO is Google Sheets, Google Online Docs. That's really helpful especially when it comes to the writing process where everyone on the team can actually work on one document and you're not and a document isn't flying around via email so that that helps a lot as well yeah and google drive we use a lot of google products yes yeah, no, same for us you spoke a little bit about what part of your job is data cleaning data purpose preparation. I personally think this is something that we actually do not really cover at the university. So can you maybe tell us a bit about what you actually do in that process and some of the challenges that you encounter? So like, uh, for instance, the quality of life data set that we have is in SPSS format. This is just an example. And so essentially, we would have to do analysis in that first get that data out of SPSS, save that, join that to a shapefile before we can even map or do any spatial analysis. So there's quite a few different formats that we have to work with. So I personally, especially when I'm working with tabular data, I would get all of that ready and I still use Postgres. SQL has been a lifesaver for me, especially when it comes to keeping my method uh, in check and to know what steps I've taken, I tend to use Postgres and SQL because I have a record of everything that I do. That's one of the the most difficult parts for me is juggling different different types and different softwares that I have to use to extract data as and then join and clean and then try and wrangle it into the form that is required for some type of output. Maybe you can speak a bit about some of the different software you use because I do think that's also a bit of a misperception is that you just need to know one thing and you can get far with just knowing that one specific product. Oh, I wish. I wish we could do that. I use SPSS. I do some stuff in R. I use Postgres. Uh, shoot. There's, there's another, there's an online, there's a small data cleaning tool that's online that whose name has just escaped me. That's another Open one. Open maybe? Yes, that one. Open Refine. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. And for GIS, I tend to stick to QGIS or ArcMap. 
I, I don't generally venture out of that. And then now we're going into the whole data visualization, interactive visualization uh, sphere as well. So there's a whole host of things there. So I'm currently playing with Tableau. I know a couple of my colleagues are using Data Wrapper and Flourish as well. So there's a lot of things going on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, um, Kevin and I usually speak about this. It's almost like you have a toolbox and you have to pick the correct thing for the job you currently have, but it's not the one sort of thing fits all, basically. Yes, yes, I, that is very true. I wish it was like that, but unfortunately it's not. And it's also company dependent as well. You can't exactly go into a company that is solely dependent on ArcMap and expect them to know how to use QGIS or even want to implement QGIS there. No, definitely. So speaking about tools and things like that, what would you say is your current favorite tool to use? Something that you would think that you think the students should have a look at? I would say simply because I'm using it now and I do find it really fun to use and it doesn't require a lot of um, time to get it done compared to other software packages that I've used is Tableau for interactive visualizations. And the nice thing is they have a mapping section to it. It's not very advanced, but you can do quite a bit with it, especially when you can relate it to other graphs and charts all in one place. How much programming would you say you do other than R on a daily basis? Not all that much. Well, my company does is not really, the work we do isn't geared towards using a lot of coding. So that's another reason why I don't. But just to add to that, um, so since you use R and SQL, you basically use scripting more for data manipulation. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I guess uh, I use it more for that rather than the outputs itself. And usually like our timeframes are quite tight as well. So that's one of the reasons why I use Tableau is because I don't have enough time to go and create a D3 visualization that we can put up onto our, onto our website. I can do it faster in Tableau. Okay. How much time would you say you have for a project? Uh, it depends on the project, to be honest. Like there's some projects that take three months. There's maps of the month that take two months, whereas there's other maps of the month that take two weeks. So I would say it's very much project dependent. Yeah. And how the team's running as well. This is something I wrote to the students this week, but at your job, do you get the step-by-step -step instructions as to what you need to do and what they expect from you? No. <laughs> <laughs> they, like, they, there was an in, induction and, and they, they did tell us what they expected from, okay, but this is where the GCRO differed a lot from my previous job was that, and it's one thing that I appreciate and, but it took a while for me to get used to is the lack of restriction. So they would allow us to run with projects and to try and take whatever data sets we use and use it and try and create and do our own research, which coming from my previous job was completely different where I was more in a 
in a procedural role, if I could say that, where I had a specific job, I had specific tasks that I needed to do. And that was essentially from eight to four, that's all, all I was doing. Whereas here, it's essentially, I don't say the sky's the limit, but whatever skills I had, I could implement it in any way I could for any project. Yeah, I think there's probably space for both those type of things. And it depends on what type of person you are. But yeah. I think you especially enjoy the challenge. <laughs> I, I, I do. It's, it's why I'm in my current role, because I didn't do well in the previous role <laughs> of having such structured time allocated to me yeah. and only being allowed to do specific actions using specific ways of doing it. I would also not survive. But okay. Thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you. No problem. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for tuning in to this week's episode of Geopod. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at The Geopod. And if you enjoyed this podcast, tell a friend to tell a friend. And remember, it's not rocket science, but it's geoscience. Bye now.